This is Caps This Morning with John Walton and Ben Raby on Caps Radio 24-7. An East Division showdown tonight on Long Island. Anthony Mantha will join us. And a preview of tonight's game, Islanders legend Butch Goring stops by. Good morning, everybody. It is Thursday, April 22nd. Welcome to Caps This Morning here on Caps Radio 24-7. In a dead heat atop the Mass Mutual East Division with 10 games to go. Capitals opening up a two-game series in Uniondale tonight, taking on the Islanders. A little bit of news right off the top. Michael Raffle has been cleared for contact. He could play as soon as tonight. Peter Laviolette saying as much yesterday after practice. Laviolette also saying that Justin Schultz still out and listed as day-to-day. But Ben, with 10 games to go in the regular season, the next five are going to be against teams holding an East Division playoff spot, three with the Islanders, then two with Pittsburgh. It will not be easy. The Capitals absolutely have to have a good start to this stretch. First period tonight. And a challenge always going into the Nassau Coliseum. Certainly this season, the Islanders, a league best 19-2-2 at home. And we know, as you referenced, the, the need for a good start to the series. How about the need for a good start in this game, specifically against the Islanders? Not an easy team to have to chase. Not an easy team to try to rally or mount to come back against. So stingy defensively, the Islanders, and type of team that will capitalize on your mistakes, as the Capitals have seen in each of their two previous visits to Uniondale. So certainly you got to have a little bit of a conservative game plan tonight probably from a Capitals perspective but big boy hockey here three straight against the Islanders could have a lot to do with uh, who ultimately comes out on top in the Mass Mutual East. We touched on this a little bit yesterday but the Capitals have the fewest games remaining against non-playoff teams among the top four in the East. The Caps have four left the Islanders have six left the Penguins also with six and the Boston Bruins have eight Degree of concern, Ben, about the Bruins rising up and passing everyone. They have Buffalo tonight. We'll get to the schedule later on, too. But the second of three straight against the Sabres. Bruins already with a win there on Tuesday night. How worried should this team be about the Boston Bruins? Yeah, on the one hand, you say from a Capitals perspective, not unlike the Islanders or Penguins, if you just take care of what you need to take care of, it's in your hands. You beat the teams that are right behind you, competing right with you for the Capitals. It doesn't matter what the Boston Bruins do. If you take care of your business from a Caps perspective, you'll be fine. That being said, the backside pressure from Boston, it's certainly real. Four points back, and as you noted with the games in hand and a little bit of that favorable schedule and what quote-unquote worries me more or less with Boston is the fact that they seem to be trending in the right direction here. Not only the favorable schedule, but they're getting healthier. The trade deadline acquisitions are acclimating very well. It's a very good team, regardless of where they finish. That's something that bears keeping in mind for postseason play. This is a Boston Bruins team that seems is is playing its best hockey at the, the best time of year. Looking for goals in five straight tonight. Anthony Mantha sits down with Ben Raby about being dealt here from Detroit, a little bit on his background, and also getting acclimated to being in Washington. I know you've answered a lot of questions about the trade, et cetera, but I'm curious. I saw the Red Wings. You had a two-game road trip in Raleigh. How yep. much did you pack? What did you have with you when you came here? And <laughs> how much of a challenge was was all of that just in terms of what you had with you clothing-wise? Uh, actually, I did not have a lot. Uh, we had a three-day road trip. And in Detroit, they actually wear tracksuits on the road. So I had a Red Wings tracksuit. And then just for fun, because we had that day off in the middle there, I had uh, I actually bought a golf polo because we played around in between the two uh, games. 
And then I had another pair of joggers, black joggers, and that was it. One shirt, and then uh, that was pretty much it. Then I had my computer. And so when I, I got the phone call, as soon as I got the phone call, I called my girlfriend. I'm like, hey, you need to pack a, a suitcase for me, and you need Literally. to throw suit, suits in there. I'm like, I need a suit before tomorrow night's game. So it's 5 o'clock right now. Uh, the last FedEx is probably at 6 or 6.30 to overnight uh, suitcase over. So I need you to hurry up a little bit for me here. And uh, it, it came in the next morning around 10, 10.30. So I was safe for, for the game, but it was uh, hurry up and uh, try and go to FedEx. Well, the MVP, most valuable packager, the girlfriend. Oh, 100%. <laughs> and then she she ended up even driving that day. So she even brought my car up and then uh, she brought me a couple extra things. She forgot to put in my suitcase originally, but all that I needed was a suit, at least for that game that night. And I heard as well, that's great, by the way. And I heard as well, it took uh, a little bit to get some new equipment for your first game as well. You, you did some borrowing of equipment for your first game, a couple <laughs> of pieces anyways. I did. I did for sure. I think my gloves weren't in, so I had Chara's gloves for... Uh, one game and man, and there was goals in there. So it was all positive. <laughs> I was going to say not too many guys are fitting into Zdeno Chara's gloves, eh? No, no, not <laughs> so, at all. I want to ask you just as far as your background, your grandfather, a four-time Stanley Cup champion with the Montreal Canadiens. How far did you, you reference your father also a hockey background? What, what were the details with, with your dad and how much have you been able to share your hockey career? How cool is that to share that? with your grandfather, with your father as well in that capacity? Uh, grandfather was awesome, actually. When uh, when I got drafted uh, in New Jersey, actually, he he was almost the most emotional out there, you know? Back then, they didn't really have a draft, so he kind of lived his own draft through through me. So it was pretty cool. Uh, for my dad, He unfortunately, when he was 17, he got into a big uh, bike accident. And he, he broke his leg and his femur and everything. So that kind of ruined his chances of playing uh, junior back then. But uh, he did go play a couple years in Europe. So does he also live vicariously through you to an extent, I wonder? Oh, it, it, he has to be. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 100%. And final thing on that, with your grandfather and his history, I saw also he was at the game when you scored your first career goal at Joe Louis Arena against the Montreal Canadiens. You reference he was excited when you were drafted. How neat is it to share in your professional career the times you've been able to to chat with him about the experiences and, and to share that with him as well, two generations apart? Oh, it, it, it's awesome. I mean, the number of stories he told me about a little bit everyone uh, back in the days is, is just incredible. I mean, he had stories on John Bilbo, Maurice Richard, like they're living legends, you know, like the for us in Montreal you grow up and you hear all these stories so it was awesome and then um yeah that first goal you were just talking about I mean first off my whole family was there uh friends I mean you you just can't ask for better and uh also uh my grandma was there and for her it was her first trip down to Detroit ever since my grandpa played there and unfortunately it was also her last so for me scoring that goal and seeing those pictures of my grandfathers with uh, my grandpa and my grandma with uh, tears 
it was just unbelievable, you know, couldn't ask for a better timing and it was all positive, you know. As far as going to a club that's contending now, I know it's only been a week, but what's the difference between going from a team learning to win to a team that is positioned to win and has shown three years ago it can win the whole thing? I think the expectation over here is the biggest thing you know the guys know they're in a great position they know what they need to win and I think uh, it's bringing it every night you know like we we kind of took a day off against uh, Buffalo a couple nights ago and we ended up losing the game against a team that's been struggling this year so it's just that learning process in Detroit was kind of getting there slowly that's what they were trying to push a little bit more but obviously over here they want to win they know how to win And uh, that's the biggest mindset in the locker room. Final couple of things. I'm wondering with the Stanley Cup playoffs coming up over the past few years, when you would not have been playing in the postseason, how closely, if at all, did you watch them? And did your mind wander? And did you say to yourself, golly, I can't wait to get there eventually. It's it's, it's the best time of the year to play. It is. I mean, my last playoffs go back in Grand Rapids and then uh, I had quite a bit in juniors, but uh, none in the NHL, unfortunately. And uh, yeah, you you obviously watch the playoffs. It's the best hockey for that season. So uh, especially when it, it starts being semifinals, finals, like the guys are just putting it out out there. They're they're blocking shots. It's hitting everywhere. And I mean, it's just a super physical game. So I'm excited to to see how it feels and excited to play in my first uh, playoffs game. All right. So a team with Stanley Cup aspirations, future Hall of Famers on the team. What do you make of the pregame business in the dressing room before the game? Did you have, were you aware what you were getting into before this all started? I think everyone sees those videos. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So far, I kind of took take it easy, you know, kind of observe uh, what the guys are doing. It's, it's going to be hard to switch out of just being passive a little bit behind with how I'm playing right now. So I'll keep doing my own things for now and, if ever I, I get a, something going with any of the players, well, it's just going to happen. I was going to say they're going to bring you in. Somebody's going to re- reel you in one of these games, right? Maybe. <laughs> we'll see. See it from there. All right. Good to have Anthony Mantha joining us with his goals in four straight. And also good to know that he is getting along with his teammates and getting integrated into things around here in Washington. Anthony Mantha is a very good trade acquisition at the deadline, but he's not the best of all time. We thought we might bring in the best of all time. Butch Goring, Islanders great. And of course, MSG, Islanders TV analyst. Butch, my friend, it has been way too long since we have seen each other in person. At least we get to do this. Good morning to you. And thanks for joining us here in Caps this morning. Well, thanks, John, and thanks for the introduction. That's always uh, good to be remembered, as you well know. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been a different season, but I'm, I'm happy that there's hockey. It's uh, not in the best of circumstances, obviously, with COVID and all the things that are surrounding it. You know what? At the end of the day, when you're inside a building and maybe not as many people as you'd like, it's still hockey, and, and that's the best world possible. Yeah, and a couple of fun ones coming up between the Capitals and the Islanders here starting tonight and then again on Saturday. Butch, every team in this division in the top four loaded up with somebody our guest Anthony Mantha was part of that on the Washington side you got Taylor Hall going to Boston but on the island it really seemed like a couple of quintessential Lou Lamarillo specials here Kyle Paul Mary and Travis Ajak 
seemed like they, as soon as you heard the trade, you were thinking, okay, yeah, these guys are born to be Islanders. They see how they're going to fit in, integrate, work hard system under Barry Trotz. Wasn't even surprised at all. How are those guys fitting in? They, they've been doing uh, remarkably well. It's, uh, it's always a difficult transition, especially if you've been with one organization for a long time, as Travis Zajac has. But, I mean, you're right about it. I mean, Lou Lamarillo, first thing on his mind is character. You know, how good are these people? Are they going to fit in the dressing room? Because chemistry, as we know, is very important to a hockey team. And the Islanders have such tremendous chemistry that you don't want to bring anybody in that's going to kind of rock the boat. So, First and foremost, these guys uh, fit in from that aspect. And then their talent. I mean, again, they're proven players. I mean, you know what you're going to get from them night in and night out. You don't have to guess. They're not 21 and saying, geez, are they going to score? Are they going to check? Lou Lemerel knows exactly what these two players are all about. And in many, many ways, they are Islander hockey players. They defense first mentality, play both ends of the rink, finish their checks. They have been a real good fit. And, and they're getting better and better, John, as this season progresses uh, with them in the lineup and, and starting to understand, you know, uh, what where the fits are. I mean, everybody just assumed that Paul Murray would play with uh, with Barzell, but that hasn't been the case. Uh, Sajak's been a really good fit. Barzell's been on the wing a lot more, less responsibility down low. And I can think back to, you know, when you know, Ov was wasn't as good in his own zone, so you had had to play him with somebody really responsible down low. Well. Barzell is much the same way. He's getting better, but he's not perfect. And Zajac has been a, a checking center for a long time. And, and so it's been a good fit. And Paul Mary, they're still not sure exactly where he fits, but he was really good the other night with Nelson and Del Cole. So slowly but surely, they, they're fitting in and the lines are starting to take shape. Boston with a win in Buffalo on Tuesday. They've had some separation now with the Rangers. The Rangers losing on Long Island Tuesday night. So I kind of feel like Caps, Bruins, Penns, Isles, barring something kind of crazy here in the next 10 days, probably your four teams. Of the three, Washington, Boston, Pittsburgh, who's the biggest threat to the Islanders if they match up in a seven-game series? They haven't had a whole lot of success against Pittsburgh this year. For whatever reason, Pittsburgh is, I think Pittsburgh's won seven of the eight games or something. They've all been pretty much one-goal games or a late goal or something to separate the, the two teams, but they have not had the success against them that uh, and it surprises me a little bit because you know Pittsburgh's a little vulnerable defensively but they've had some great goaltending uh, at different times so you know just off the seasonal format I, I would say that you know the Isles don't really want to face Pittsburgh although you know playoffs changes John and then conversely they have really matched well against Boston like they have had Boston's number and you know they lost both games over the weekend but the second game Boston should have been down three in the first period I mean they, they had and I'm not exaggerating they had three grade a scoring chances that if that's uh, Alex he's got three goals in the first period they seem to match up well against the Bruins and I, I think the Caps and the Isles would be a battle Oh, I absolutely agree with that. And kind of to that end, thinking back to 2015, Caps and the Islanders met in the first round, and that was goodbye number one for Nassau Coliseum. Number two coming in a way that the old building doesn't deserve without fans. There should be a lot more, and I don't know that there's going to be between now and when it's time to move. But moving on next season to the new UBS Arena, just outside of Belmont Park, I know it is not only under construction, but well on its way to completion at this point. I know you had a chance to see it yesterday, 
day. This is an exciting era of Islanders hockey that is coming around the corner here. When we get to the fall and the new building opens, I mean, I can't wait to see it. The renderings are unbelievable. It is going to be a building that this franchise deserves. Absolutely. And and I, I think, you know, you're starting to see, a, you know, an evolution of, uh, you know, the new Islander team, so to speak. They, they've starting to develop some consistency, be in the top echelon to, in the National Hockey League. And, and this, so the timing's really good to be able to, to move into a, a new building. And as much as I think the present day team likes to play in the Coliseum, particularly with the atmosphere that's created, I, I think they're all anxious to kind of make their own history their, and have their own building where they can win a Stanley Cup and, and kind of get away from, from our era and, and, you know, with all the banners and stuff and really start to get some of their own banners up there. So I think the, the present day team is really looking forward to, to that move. And But from a fan standpoint or from myself as a broadcaster, I mean, it's so exciting because the building is going to be spectacular. I mean, they spent a tremendous amount of time in looking at every venue that's really been in North America. In their mind, they took the best, what they thought was the best from every venue, and they've placed it into this this new arena, and uh, it's going to be exciting. I, I'm anxious to see the finished product from the ice all the way up to the top. They have really done a fabulous job, and there's not going to be a bad seat in the house, and much like the Coliseum. And the one thing they did do, John, I'll tell you, is they lowered the roof. They've tried to, to mimic the echoing in the, that's in the Coliseum, for lack of a better word, uh, to try and give that same kind of atmosphere that, you know, so many of the new buildings have that high roof, and you don't get the, the real resonance of a, you know of a hockey game they've lowered the ceiling actually and and so in trying to create as close a replica as they can to the coliseum without obviously the seating capacity well i can't wait to experience that firsthand uh, next season for the first time first thing i'll be doing butch when i walk in there i'm looking for that 91 banner in the roof thank you so much for joining us here this morning thanks john look forward to seeing you and if i don't see you before the summertime well have a good summer it is always terrific to chat with Butch Goring, Ben, one of my favorite people. He and I did a playoff series together back a few years ago in 2014 out in Anaheim. Love that guy. And, I, you know, it's going to be fun to move into that new building. I can't wait to see UBS Arena. It's going to be one of the best in the circuit now after the Islanders, I think conservatively, to say that Barclays didn't work. <laughs> I was never excited about that. And being in the Coliseum is great. But, you know, it's time has come. It's an, a relic of a day gone by. Uh, UBS Arena is going to be fun. Can I just unveil the curtain here for a little bit? It's so funny because years ago when we thought they were done at the Nassau Coliseum, you and Ken Sabrin were so excited to be done with that building, to be going to Barclays Center, to be dealing with something new. And then I think two seasons ago when they announced, no, they're done with the Barclays Center, they're going back to Uniondale, you and Ken were ecstatic to be done with Barclays Center. That's how low the bar was set there. Listen, Barclays Center <laughs> was rough. I, we walked in, it's like, oh, it's a brand new building. This is going to be great. And they're like, no, 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 this is no good for hockey. And they realized that. And thankfully, uh, a gleaming new facility at Belmont Park going to be going on in August. All right, so quickly to the Mass Mutual East Division. The Flyers in New York tonight to face the Rangers. It's getting to be must-win territory for the Rangers. Six points out of a playoff spot. No games in hand on the top three. Ben and Boston has two on them. They're not going to really have much margin for error the rest of the way. No, and still, if you look at their last month, it, it just shows you what trouble you put yourself in when you dig yourself an early season hole, which is what the Rangers did. Even with their loss the other night against the Islanders, Rangers are still 11-4-2. 
over their last 17 games dating back to March 20th. That's a very solid 17-game stretch. And still, seemingly, you know, as you know, it must win here because of the hole they dug themselves early in the season. If you're playing Philadelphia, you're playing a team that's scuffling themselves. If you're the Rangers, you ought to take advantage here just to keep yourself in the conversation. Speaking of the Bruins, a five-game win streak for the Bees. A win tonight would be their season best. Second game of three with the Sabres. That starts at 7 o'clock. And after a wild 7-6 finish on Tuesday night, Devils and Penguins meet again tonight in Pittsburgh. Penguins on Tuesday became the first team in NHL history to win a game in which they were outscored by five goals in the third period. NHL teams were 0-270 and 0 in the regular season, and 0-9 in the postseason when outscored by five goals or more in the third period. Elias Sports Bureau giving us that little nugget. I don't know what we do with that except to say that it's never happened before, Ben, and the Penguins are hoping for something calmer tonight. It's an odd claim to fame. It's, it's a bold strategy, Cotton, as they say, to allow that much against in the third period. But I'll tell you this, John, real quick about Pittsburgh. Kasperi Kapanen, Evgeny Malkin. They're trending in the right direction, too, having returned to practice with their teammates. Ein returns before the end of the regular season. Pittsburgh, too. Best may still be in front of them, just as far as reinforcements being on the way as well. Standings on this Thursday morning. Capitals dead heat with the Islanders, as we mentioned off the top. Both teams with 62 points. Both teams with 10 to go. Obviously, this next three games is going to dictate a lot. Penguins right behind him at 61. Boston at 58. Four points off the pace. Still two games in hand on all three teams in front of them. Rangers are at 52. Caps and Islanders coming up at 7 o'clock. Caps game day begins at 4 here on Caps Radio 24-7. Ben, what are you working on today? And we'll hear Peter Laviolette his pregame meeting with the media. Looking ahead to tonight's matchup, we'll set the stage for the three-game set, and we'll have more from Anthony Mantha and Butch Goring. Little snippets here this morning. We'll hear more from each of them, continuing to set the stage for the first of three against the Islanders. Well, here we go. As Barry Trot said, you got to go through the islands. So here we are, Caps Isles tonight. Have a great Thursday, Ben. Happy Thursday, John. For the latest on the Capitals and hockey news around the clock. Let's go, Caps! Tune in to Caps Radio 24-7. Listen online via the Capitals mobile app at CapsRadio247.com. Or ask Alexa to play Caps Radio 24-7 on TuneIn.